Welcome to Tampa's Table, a culinary journey. I'm Jeff Houck. I'm Vice President of Marketing for the 1905 Family of Restaurants. My guest today on the podcast is Patrick Harrison, Chief Marketing Officer for Visit Tampa Bay. Welcome. Thanks, Jeff. It's good to be on my own show. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> so obviously we're talking about the cookbook, um, mm -hmm. but let's start a little uh, broader than that. Uh, what is it about food that attracts people to Tampa? You know, um, it, I don't think it's just Tampa. I think food has become, and I think you said it once, food has become like a souvenir. Food is where people go. You know, when you go into travel for a business trip or vacation, the first thing you do after you've booked your hotel is figure out where you're going to go for that special meal or for whatever meals. So I think that it's not just a Tampa-specific thing. I think it's, it's a lot of places. I think what was interesting for us at Visit Tampa Bay coming into this position when I joined about eight years ago was I don't think the story had been told. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, you know, people think outside of, of Tampa and St. Augustine, there really isn't a lot of history in Florida. Everything gets demolished and rebuilt every right. 50 years. Everything that was cool 50 years ago is now a parking lot. It changes a lot. Whereas we here actually have some tradition mm -hmm. obviously you know very well with you know the columbia restaurants and then obviously burns being one of the other pillars sure we had something that we could tell so but what was what was very interesting with that was that i don't think at the time a lot of the people in tampa even the other chefs or the residents really realized that Correct. we could build upon that i could not agree so more. it was just something we thought you know this is an entry to elevate just to elevate Tampa and, and Hillsborough County beyond being like a second tier city. This is something we can actually hang our hats on. And that was kind of the, like the original goal for it. What's well, the old thing about, you know, if you have to say you're authentic, you're not authentic. Right. Well, it's the people say, yeah, I have a great sense of humor. Sure you do. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you're having to say it or, hey, I'm a cool guy. Well, you're obviously not if you're saying it. Right. So, that, but it runs deep in the history yeah. of Tampa, you know, yeah. and, and one of the first reasons that people mm. came to Tampa for non-work was the food of the Latin Quarter in Ybor City. Sure, so it's sure. in our DNA. Right. Um, there used to be breweries downtown. You know, there was a huge manufacturing of bread and other things in Ybor City and, and down by the port and whatnot. Um, so when you decided to do the cookbook, what was the genesis of that? What was the origin story of the well, cookbook? I think it would, if you go back just a little before that, you know, when we first decided that culinary was going to be something we were mm -hmm. going to hang a hat on, there wasn't enough of a scene to hang a hat on. There was a few. I mean, we've mentioned, you know, obviously we've got you know, Miz on Plus, we've got we had Burns, we had you know, Columbia Group and so on and so right. forth, but not a lot. So we wanted to find some more interesting and innovative people who really weren't that well-known. And uh, we started working with some of the, the brewery scene, taking those guys out on the road. Then um, it's interesting. I know one of the other podcasts we're doing on this uh, series with, uh, I think it was with Jamaris uh, Glenn, is the whole crab chill out. Yeah. So, which I'd never heard of. You know, I'd lived in the area Extremely for Extremely Tampa. Right. So, so the first thing we, we did was we took... Um, uh, Greg Baker and Pharrell Alvarez on the road with us back when Greg was at the refinery. Obviously, mm -hmm. Pharrell's still with, with his many establishments. Took them on the road, took them to New York, and we cooked live in the food and wine kitchen, and that's what they cooked. What was the reaction? The reaction, I think, was one of uh, like astonishment. Like, A, what the heck is this? You cannot put that in with that. And if you, <laughs> and if you were going to serve it to food critics, why that? And mm -hmm. I think they both chose it because it was specifically a taste of Tampa. So we started working with a few guys. After that, we came back and suddenly a lot more um, chefs and restaurants wanted to come on the road with us. They wanted to spread that word. You know, we've taken, we've done dinners in um, 
in uh, we're actually doing one in London this weekend for the Nat Geo show. We've got the the chefs from the Epicurean are there with us. We've done stuff in in New York. We've done stuff in D.C. in Chicago. We're going to be in Atlanta uh, in a couple of months' time. But when we had that genesis, mm -hmm. that group together, we then said, well, the next step from this has to be we have to get a way to present this to um, a larger audience. So what happened was um, I, I was in London uh, having a series of uh, meetings with journalists over there, especially f uh, food uh, magazines. And this one company pitched me on the idea that they would produce a cookbook for us that they'd done for many other cities around the world. And it was very expensive. And I was sat there with our uh, UK uh, PR rep, uh, Becky, and the, the person left. And we looked at each other and said, we can do that for way less money. So we came back here, brought the idea to the team. A couple of our team members who have gone on to do other things mm -hmm. um, worked really hard and worked together. We worked with uh, Amy Petsakara on, on photography because she is an absolute rock star. The Annie Leibovitz of Tampa. She, she, is, is, she phenomenal. is phenomenal. Um, and we put together what we thought in the, those days would be something we might sell a few mm -hmm. in our visitor center um, and we'd give them away as high-end gifts to journalists. So after we were on the, I think we've done three print runs. We've gone, I think we've sold about 10,000. Uh, it was just, it just went crazy. We then rolled out a uh, cocktail book. We then rolled out others. So we actually became a publishing company. But to be able to present, not even necessarily food journalists, but writers or people who are looking to bring a convention to be able to say, look, these are all the things you can see. These are all the things you can taste. These are the what the chefs want to provide mm -hmm. and again that the the most incredible thing to me is that so many chefs just say yeah here's my recipe here it is you can have it I'm not charging you for it go sell tampa here is right. here is our you know and you talk about and let's say from a Colombia's perspective here's our 1905 salad yeah. that everyone around the world is doing a bad knockoff and posting on social media Right. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing is that I always said that recipes were the first social media. Mm. It was here's a dish. I mm. made it for my family or my friends or my loved ones. And it was a success. I want you to have mm -hmm. that success. You know, it's like it, it, it translates immediately because it's not just handing an artifact. It's something you actually are meant to ingest. Right. It's an emotional experience. Right. And so to have this handshake collection of all the chefs and mm -hmm. their recipes, I can't think of a better, more intimate welcome to Tampa. Uh, everything from small plates to desserts. I mean, you know, if they had it, they, they were offering. I mean, the joke was that some of the recipes, I mean, are obviously produced by uh, classically trained sure. or, or you know, culinary geniuses, then you hand it to like the man in the street. So what we used to say to all the writers was like, just pick out which one you like the look of and I'll take you to that restaurant <laughs> and buy it for you. Because it's, you know, we had, um, oh, there was a purple cake in there that the actual recipe was like three pages long right. and with notes. And I'm like, no one's ever going to be able to make that, <laughs> you know? So, but, but that was it. That was the intro to it. Now, you know, flash forward five years. Right. So what's changed? Everything. Yeah. I mean, I think that book um, uh, and a lot of the things that have happened over the last five years really put Tampa on the map because of all the, the cool attractions and restaurants exactly. and, the, and the Riverwalk and, and Water Street and all of these things. It's The, the, the community has leapt forward. Um, but also, if you look at the book, I mean, one of the things that's happened is 
you know, you get a, a cluster, you get this like mass right. where it, it suddenly works and everybody, then the chefs start moving here from DC and New York and Austin or coming back from where they, you know, they may have started, lived here and gone to Portland and now they're coming back. So we probably have, I mean, I, I bet you there's probably a, a hundred restaurants that exist now that did not exist five years ago. Without a doubt. And at all price points right. and types. And But conversely, you know, just because of the nature of restaurants, there's also some that don't exist anymore. You know, that's just how things go. They change. Things become fashionable. Things become don't. Right. Um, you know, you take, you know, some chefs, it's like decide they're going to become writers or, you know, there's only, I think this, you know, it's one of the hardest jobs out there. Correct. So... You know, there comes it's it's a constant change, and so to, to we want to portray the temper of today as opposed to the temper of five years ago. Correct. So. Well, I think that one of the seminal moments to me was when they uh, started the renovation of Tampa International Airport. They had five local mm -hmm. brands, of which the Columbia was one of them, and when they did the uh, first phase of the uh, renovation of the airport, they went from five local brands to more than 90. Right. And I had written a, uh, an article when I was a food writer at the Tampa Tribune during the Republican mm -hmm. National Convention that said, it's terrible that the first and last taste of Tampa will be a Chili's. And now- Chili's too. You, a Chili's too. It wasn't even like the original Chili's. Uh -huh. uh, it was like Rambo part two. And, and I wrote that, and I remember yeah. thinking, oh, that was kind of harsh. But it was absolutely true because I had been to other airports where I might not even be staying in town. It might be a hub, mm -hmm. and I'd be moving to somewhere else. But I got a sense of what their food scene was by what they had there. Right. And now it's it was so popular at one point that they were issuing passes for people to go do eat-arounds. Right. So it tells me that Tampa is living through its food in a different way. And all the newcomers yeah. that have come here in the past, say, three years – um, they want to find a reason to love the place, mm -hmm. and there's really nothing better than food and beverage. So the airport's a great example. Now, you know, you can order food from any terminal and have it delivered to the gate you're in, which is astounding. But it is great that you can go eat at Maison Plus or mm -hmm. eat at the Columbia or eat at these very different options, even within the airport. And you, you see even the Tampa residents can't just they have to get that last last bite before they leave i can right? tell you so, it's a dramatic thing uh -huh. when at eulalie and airside sea flames their oysters mm -hmm. and when you see flames in an airport that's usually not something you no, see it's usually a bad thing that's usually bad uh -huh. and so the smell mm -hmm. of that the mm -hmm. show of that in an airport sends a non-verbal message about what the airport and the city prioritizes mm -hmm. in terms of what impression it wants to make right. you know um, I know people that will stop at La Segunda uh, Bakery and um, literally stuff their suitcases full of Cuban bread so that when mm -hmm. they fly home, they can like put it in the freezer and slice it by day and still have it for like a month. Right. Um, you know, there is no, no um, stronger reaction in a cockpit than when somebody gets on a plane with a 1905 salad and all that garlic. And they don't, and nobody else has one, but that person, mm -hmm. there's a little, there's a, some, t I'm, I'm yeah. not saying I've done that at all, but the, the tense looks are, right. are real. I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny you bring that up. You know, we've got on the road with so many chefs. It's when, when you actually get on the plane and they've got great big coolers <laughs> full of like raw fish or huge loaves of Cuban bread. You've got bags full of stuff and people are looking at you go, what on earth are you doing? It's yep. like, so no, but going back to the changes the last uh, three years, you know, I, I, uh, or five years, I seriously get a call at least once a month from a chef somewhere else in the country who wants to come in and meet in our offices and talk about 
which part of town they should put their restaurant in and what type of food they should serve. And of course, I'm no food expert, but so we, we could only just give them the overview about, you know, which areas have grown. Sure. I mean, you know, when, um, when um, Richard opened Eulalie, in that part of, of, of town and for the north end of the river, everyone's like, what? And now look, they told him it was crazy. Blind, was right. uh, to your point, it was a blind spot in Tampa. Right. It wasn't a place that anybody right. really went for any kind of right. recreation. So this is what we tell to the folks that are looking. So you look at areas that are growing, which mm-hmm. of which there are many. You know, depending on what type of food you're, you're or, or style you're bringing in. I mean, are you one of the folks that can even afford to be in the Water Street sure. area? Other areas in, in Hyde Park is the stuff in the Heights. Um, you know, what type of style is, is coming in? And, you know, you see it. You know, I work with the Michelin Guide to bring that to, to Florida. Everybody wants to be here now. So I think we're if we sit here in five years from now to do the next book, it could be like encyclopedia-sized. Let's hope. So, the, yeah. um, the other thing you talked about, the Michelin uh, Guide, um, tell me how that has sort of changed the conversation for Tampa's food scene. It's changed in in in, uh, in many ways. Um, you know, and like everything, not everything's is golden mm-hmm. um, because that does add additional pressure on some of the restaurants that are here or the chefs that are here. But I think to us, you know, the the, the Michelin Guide is only in a, a couple of different places in the U.S. Um, you know, in California, New York, and and so on. Um, Chicago, and I think there's a couple of others that are now looking at adding it. But the Michelin name is a global name. If you want to play on a global stage, you need to play with global players. Sure, um, they have a uh, a cachet, you know, um, and a and a recognition that people think. Well, if you're in that guide, then you must be worth taking seriously. Mm-hmm. So we were very lucky working with our friends in uh, in Orlando and Miami to work with uh, Michelin a couple of years ago. Um, I think it set a standard of uh, or, an, or an aspiration for some of our restaurants, and I think some of them have to be, uh, you know. Um, authentic with themselves and realize, you know, you may not have a get a Michelin star. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having... There's nothing wrong for reaching for there's, one. There's nothing wrong with reaching for one. There's nothing wrong with Bib Gourmand or, or, or a recommendation. Sure. But when you talk to the guys who have been reaching for those stars, you see the pressure that's, you know, this is a really high bar to set. And the fact that this year we were able to not only get our first three restaurants to get stars, but then also with Somi, um, best young chef in the state of Florida. Yeah. I had, had lunch at Somi yesterday. Um, you know, and it's just a great, great little fun restaurant. You know, it's, I think it's that understanding that the Michelin Guide doesn't have to be, uh, you know, fine tablecloths and fine dining and, you know, darkly lit, heavy mahogany, you know, old school kind of places. I think it's, it's does help set. The next, maybe the, maybe it's the platform for the next stage of development. I see that, and the other part too is that, in the especially in the past, say fifteen years, people have started mm-hmm. to travel for food yeah, oh, yeah. in a way that they never used to. Mm-hmm. And food was the afterthought whenever they right. travel. They go see the Grand Canyon. They go see, you know, whatever they're mm-hmm. going to go see. But now it's as much a part of the destination as it is, you know, um, 
it's as integral as, you know, what are you going to pack in your luggage? You know, mm-hmm. where are we going to eat? Who are you going to talk to ahead of time before we go and eat, mm-hmm. uh, before we go on the, and get on the plane? So, you know, having that international flavor of Michelin just expands that even further. For example, we went to uh, Los Angeles and I went out of my way to go to the edition in Hollywood because, you know, Chef John Fraser was bringing, uh, well, the edition was about to open here, our first five-star uh, hotel. And I wanted to see what his food stylings were. You know, people say, oh, he's vegetable forward, this or this or the other. Until you've actually tasted it, you know, and I wanted to be able to bring that back. Yeah. I was at the edition this morning for coffee. And the pastries there are immaculate. The breakfast area at the market there is just, you know, incredibly upscale and unique, uh, but very approachable for the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's exciting, like I said, to have sort of outside chefs come in and sort of um, create a new standard and tone that other people can sort of mimic and Mm -hmm. make their own right um so i I have to ask though uh you know you're you travel extensively obviously through your job um Mm -hmm. you're in local restaurants what do you eat for comfort at home you know uh a lot of salad a lot of tomatoes a lot of mozzarella burrata um because the downside of this job as i'm sure this is with yours you eat too much yeah Eat way too much. Well, so it's a lot of good, like, it's hard not yeah. to. So it's a lot of the like, you know chicken salad. Really, but, really boring. I thought you were going to say beans and beans uh, on toast. Beans yeah, on yeah. toast. But you know, it's funny. I I don't even remember like the black left. beans on toast or just beans on. Toast? Oh, just <laughs> that would be good. There we go. We'll make it. We'll take it Cuban. We'll Cuban do that, that fusion of UK and fusion, Cuban. and we'll put it on Cuban toast. There you go. There you go. It'll See? be perfect. So when's the cookbook coming out? Well, hopefully, and I'm looking over here at my team. Uh, now, hopefully, it should be on sale in time for the holidays this year. It's going to be actually, it's going to be really excellent. We've got uh, six, over sixty recipes, fifty um, something different restaurants. It's everything from, you know, some actually, I think all of our um, Michelin starred restaurants are going to be in here. Plus, we've got some real good favorites from some of our more established or traditional. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be excellent. I'm, I'm my mouth watering just thinking about it. My mouth is watering too. So let's let's I, go eat. I, absolutely. You made me hungry. <laughs> Thanks for being a guest today, Patrick. Oh, thank you. On thank your show. Oh, well, thank you for hosting our show, and Jeff. Thank you for letting me be on it. <laughs> so keep an eye out for Tampa's Table, a culinary journey, as Patrick said, comes out later this year. And keep an eye out for episodes of this podcast on YouTube and also anywhere you find podcasts. Thank you for joining us.